Hello, and welcome to The Marvel Virgin, a podcast all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Paul, and I'm a Marvel Virgin. And my name is Kaylee, and I'm a Marvel whore. For each episode, Paul is watching a Marvel movie or TV series for the very first time, and with my help, we'll be delving into the good and not-so-good aspects of the MCU, and navigating the secrets and intricacies of this big and complex universe. If you'd like to send in any questions, comments, factoids, or even if you'd like to correct anything we've said, after all, we're not perfect, then you can tweet us at the Marvel Virgin. We'd love to hear from you. Enjoy the show. Let's do an episode for the first time in ages. It's been such a long time. So many things have happened since we last spoke. So much has happened, yes. It was early October when we did our last episode. And since then, I very selfishly got married and Kaylee very selfishly had a baby. So we could not do episodes. We're like the most most banal things people can do nowadays as well, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, no, I couldn't have done the most traditional boring thing ever. We reached some life goals, at least. Yes, we ticked some boxes there. Contributed to killing the planet by, you know, producing another human for it. So that's good. <laughs> Way to find the downside. Yay! <laughs> that one. Well, a lot of people did ask me that when I was pregnant. They were like, oh, what, what do you think about climate change? I was like, well, obviously I don't feel good about it. But um, I don't know what you expect me to say, to be honest. I don't think having a child causes climate change necessarily i mean i know humans are you know i've seen bambi i know the ultimate enemy is man but still like (laughs) (laughs) well to be fair i could have created someone who will reverse climate change you know we don't know what she'll do if anyone hears gurgling or babbling or anything in the background it's it might be me (laughs) (laughs) it might might also be a baby she is the new marvel version (laughs) (laughs) she's she's now our third participant in this podcast yeah it's been a long time but i do remember it was daredevil season trois season trois oui oui saison trois it is so high that i thought maybe i was wrong and it was something else i was supposed to yeah well this is gonna be very awkward i'm gonna have it's it's captain mark no i'm like no kaylee it's not yet no we've got a few episodes still embarrassing for you (laughs) It is Daredevil season three, and it's the last season of Daredevil. Well, the last season for now, I suppose, but um, I've not heard of any plans to bring it back or anything. No, not as a series, but he might pop up elsewhere. You never know. He might do, like Whack-A-Mole might pop up. Yeah, he does that. So he's like, hey, Hell's Kitchen, what's happening? I mean, I guess the first question will be, how did you find it before we delve into plot? I thought it was good. I mean, Daredevil is a good series overall. I didn't think it was as good. You know, like over after season two, I was absolutely raving. Like I was like, this is the best season of things I've ever seen in my life. Ah! And I remember, but I remember season one, I liked it, but didn't enjoy it on that level quite so much. So I have the same feelings about season three in that I liked it, but I was still looking at my phone for some bits. <laughs> is that just a millennial habit now? It is. It is. It's, Netflix. it's an addiction. What can I say? But I always, I my... My my standard, my sort of measurement of how good something is now is if I'm not tempted to look at my phone during it, it's good. Basically, it's really, really, really good. Hmm. Well, I think, to be fair, it could have been maybe two episodes shorter, maybe three yeah. episodes shorter. Just cut a little bit of the fat off. But 
otherwise I think it's a very good series it ends on a very nice high for Netflix I think it does and I think it it leaves many possibilities for a very good fourth series I think there's a lot there's loads of potential there to carry it on so I think it is a bit of a shame that Netflix cancelled it but obviously they're up against Disney and they weren't going to fight in that they weren't going to win that Pokemon battle were they really (laughs) not not yet they need more Pokemon (laughs) they need more Pokemon yeah they need more badges but um I think I think my the thing is with Daredevil is that I think Daredevil himself, Matt Murdock, is not the most interesting character in the world. I I prefer the characters who are around him. Like I love watching Karen and Foggy and Fisk. And I also really enjoyed Dex in this as well. Um and the very various other characters. So when it goes into his um, because this this series spends a lot of time on him thinking about his religion again that's when I switch off I'm like I don't care like I said in, in when we did the season one episode I said that I don't I get a bit bored when superheroes are like but it's okay for me to be a vigilante and I'm like yes yes it is just just do it we all know you're going to do it like <laughs> come on well true but I do love Charlie Cox I think he's really good mm. there's that episode is it episode four maybe where it's like the 15 minute one shot fight that was immense. And yeah. he's not even wearing his mask. So it's just Charlie Cox giving his all. And you kind of really feel how exhausting it is. And it feels very grounded in reality. So I think he's really good. I agree. I, I like Charlie Cox as well. And yeah, the, the I mean, his, yeah, his athleticism in that one shot bit, I mean, that was pretty astounding, actually. I would have died um, after like a second. I'd be like, oh, I can't do it. It's too much. <laughs> let's, let's find my doppelganger somewhere and they can do it. <laughs> I'll just do lots of back shots. Like I was, I've been re-watching Buffy um, on this massive TV I have now. Mm. And whenever she's fighting, you're like, well, that's, that's a completely different person. I don't know how to, I didn't notice it when I watched it the first time. It's like a, a completely different woman. They'll be in similar clothes, but. I, they do the same i've been re-watching um the original star trek series and obviously that's so old that the special effects are very ropey so whenever there's a stunt double it's just so obviously a sudden change <laughs> oh dear that's all good isn't it <laughs> i watched one episode where there's like captain kirk was fighting someone who was disguised as captain kirk so um that's it was good. So William Shatner, I think William Shatner did quite a few of his fight scenes anyway, but obviously he couldn't fight himself. So they had to get a, and I use inverted commas here, a William Shatner lookalike <laughs> to fight him. And it just did, wasn't really very effective at all. Maybe in the 60s it looked good, but now, no. Well, with was much smaller TV and that or the um, high def, I guess it would probably mm. be like, oh, I guess it's probably him. Why would it not be? When, when uh, in 2021, we've got, Vanessa Hudgens playing three different characters seamlessly in the Princess Switch. It's very um, true. I mean, it, that she's effortless, and that is a shame. We've accident. got we've got new higher standards of doppelgangering. <laughs> I'm hoping by like Princess Switch Nine, the whole world is just Vanessa Hudgens. Well, like Agent Smiths in the yeah. Matrix. <laughs> right. Oh God, we have to find the one person who's not Vanessa Hudgens, and then we'll save Christmas. The <laughs> in the whole world, yeah. I'm available to write that if Netflix wants me involved, but I'm putting myself out there. You gotta put you got you got time on your hands. I have so much time now. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, like I think that's my thing with Daredevil is that when it goes into and also this whole business about him having Wilson, the like an imaginary Wilson Fist talking to him 
and the whole like oh you know we're not so different you and I all that stuff I'm like this has been done this has been done since the dawn of time this whole thing oh the villain and the hero are the same they cross there's a Venn diagram of hero and villain it's a circle la 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 I'm like no 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 just just fight the villain like <laughs> don't enough of this that's why I enjoyed the second season so much as they didn't do that sort of thing it was mm-hmm. more it was more exploring char- some characters pasts and um they had enough going on to keep me interested without the character Matt Murdock becoming a bit overbearing that's my yeah, overbearing I love it I would love you to be one of his friends around him <laughs> you're overbearing quite overbearing and a bit melodramatic right now Matt come on sort it out <laughs> well I wouldn't say it to his face I'd be polite and talk about it behind his back because <laughs> he's got superhuman senses so you'd be screwed oh yeah he would oh yeah oh I just won't be his friend in that case it's probably easiest. I mean, but then you'd most likely die. Um, I don't know. I quite like the Fisk thing because I felt like if they hadn't brought them together in those little, you'd have had to keep waiting and the whole finale might have felt a bit more, like it had been too built up. Like, oh my God, they finally met. Whereas in this, you get like little snippets. So it's like you're getting little, little tastes of what's going to come later. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It saves the, the climax from being anticlimactic, doesn't it? Yeah, because you're like, yeah. okay got a little taste of what this will be like rather than like everything is building up to this moment yeah yeah absolutely I liked the various like I always I'm I'm a sucker for themes in superhero stuff so I liked the exploration of how with Fisk being put up in a penthouse the public are getting angry because he's being given all this nice treatment for as far as they're concerned when they want they basically want to tear him apart but it's sort of like it's that sort of exploration of what is justice like do we should we be rehabilitating should we be punishing is someone so bad that they're beyond rehabilitation like uh and all that sort of thing and I thought they explored that really well it felt like there were lots of parallels with real life with that like with the Oscar Pistorius case and Mm. a few other bits and bobs yeah you, you see court cases of people who are completely vilified by the media but and so everyone ends up with this strong opinion on a court case or something. But um, you sometimes have to remember you're not there in the court case. You're not watching it. You don't see the evidence being brought forward. You don't see the arguments. Hear, see or hear the arguments. Your opinion could be completely changed if you were to be privy to that. We're only seeing what the media chooses to present to us, and that's all going to be very biased. I guess it's quite nice to see the corruption. Mm. Well, as an angle, because like. Again, like we, we're being given the presentation by, like we're saying, the media corrupts evidence. But in this one, it's the the FBI specifically. Oh, my God. The corruption ran deep. <laughs> it was so deep. It was like worse than line of duty. I was like, no one would be. They need H involved. Like, where is Vicky McClure to save the day? I was thinking that, yeah, I was like, we need Steve Arnott here. We need, there's so many bent carpers in this, in this thing. Everywhere. <laughs> um, like Ray, I like, obviously Ray's like the good bent copper. I guess you could say, mm, I don't know, is it quite Catholic, his journey? Because he goes from, like, he falls and then he redeems himself at the end as the self-sacrifice he makes to save. True. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. And it gets creates a parallel with Matt's religion, doesn't it? Yeah. felt like there were lots of little religious moments. Mm. But it was also, it was, it, as I was going through, I, I watched this a while ago because I was just, had nothing to do so I watched it so I was going back through a plot summary just to remind myself what happened and how many times Fisk manipulates stuff um, and is able to manipulate the the current system in order to get someone on his side so like um, 
the way he gets Ray Nadim to do things for him, even though he doesn't want to. And that, like, it's there's always like something happens where you're like, oh, that's unfortunate. Now he's going to be in Wilson's um, Wilson Fisk lap now. Mm-hmm. But then it turns out Wilson Fisk orchestrated it in the first place. Like the amount of times that this happens is just insane. He's like, <laughs> he's like God, really. He has so much power. I was like, surely he can't be this infallible at all times. But no, every time he tried anything, it worked. And every time, every time you just thought, oh yeah, like they'll if they just take him away and go with that person, they'll be safe. And that person turns out to be corrupt, and it's like, ah, yeah, you're right. It's like line of duty, like everyone's bad. Yeah, you literally can't trust anyone. If you get arrested, you're basically dead. It's like no. <laughs> and even even the good people are doing something stupid, like I don't know, sleeping with a suspect or sleeping with Keely Hawes or something like that. You know? Oh, for sure. I'm surprised Keely didn't pop up. Actually, you're so right. <laughs> and there's corruption. Keely Hawes normally appears. I don't know, it was weird because it's like Fisk was obviously infallible in that sense and Dex was very like, he could take a beating and he would always get back up again. Even when Daredevil rains punches on his head for like full minutes, he's like, no, I'm completely fine. I'm going to just walk away again now. He does get paralysed by the end though. Well, yeah, by the end. But I feel like this is a bit more jeopardy sometimes. Like, oh, is he going to get up? No, he's always up. Uh, but I liked also how Fisk was manipulating him with because he's obviously got sociopathic tendencies and needs therapy and things like that. But then Fisk gets his hands on that one and does does really awful things to kind of like twist him as well. Like it's it's very twisty turny, this one. Yeah, I guess that's very true. Like with um, Fisk, I guess he proves that people's weaknesses are the people they love. But then if you look at Matt, he proves that your strengths are the people you love. And the same with Dex, like he's only got these therapy tapes to help him free. He doesn't have any real people. So when those tapes are corrupted, he doesn't have anyone to bring him back, really. Yeah, that's a good point, because if Fisk sees um, love as a weakness in people, that's why he's so protective of Vanessa. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and why he's, he's I think I think his, when he wakes up in the morning, his first thought is, do I need to do anything to protect Vanessa? Then I'm going to get on with my crime. Um, <laughs> because she'd be the one thing that anyone can sort of hold over him, which so, it, which it is in the end, isn't it? Well, yeah, he's one hundred percent correct. In that. Yes, <laughs> he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> She's not exactly a wilting innocent flower, really, is she? Come the end. No, like, no. Had everyone, little demon. She was. She was. Yeah, she was well involved. She was enjoying it in this she one. She was not, no, she's not much in it. She wasn't, she was only in the, like the last couple of episodes, but I, I kept watching it. I was like, what are you going to do now? Like, what's yeah, your... I thought she was going to go super bad and do something super evil. But... Just whack out a couple of machine guns and. <laughs> or she'd be like, I was fisk all along. <laughs> yes. Should we do plot? And work Let's do some time? plot. Yeah. So um, after the events of the Defenders, we know that Matt Murdock has, is injured. Everyone thinks he's dead. But he's he's got himself to a nunnery where he's being looked after by um, the Catholic priest guy, Father Paul Lantham, who is like his sort of mentor and uh, a sister Maggie, who's a sassy nun. Sasta. Sasta Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> he's taken a while to get back into fighting mode. Like the events of the defenders were so intense. He's kind of lost his mojo a little bit. So this this it was this kind of part of the storyline where I just was a bit like, uh, I'm not as interested it was it was solely this bit where I and because they didn't have it in season two that's why I preferred season two <laughs> I guess it's the flashbacks you've never been fond of as well yeah I mean 
yeah i think because I, I i mean i don't mind flashbacks in and of itself i just i just i'm not that interested in matt murdoch as a character whereas karen's episode where you got her flashbacks that was gripping and mm. that was really really intense um and yeah on that subject karen is still she's still a tenacious reporter um by yeah. the end of this season i am like what's holding to you together mentally karen <laughs> a lot and i do think there was a little bit of retconning in the sense that she was like, I was a fully trained journalist. I was like, you weren't, though, were you? Because you just sort of started doing this on a whim and now you've just changed it. That's fine. I she, don't got, she got saved by by Daredevil and then became like their secretary, didn't she? Yeah. And then suddenly she's like, I'm a journalist. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, calm down, was, Lois Lane. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, you're. You, I mean, it's amazing that she's managed to climb so high up the ranks of journalism without, you know, doing a couple of internships for free and getting people's coffee. But... That's fine. I'm not jealous. I don't You're not care. bitter about that at all. No, it seems fine. Let's carry on. <laughs> I also think um, what she's been through, like she's murdered someone. She's murdered people both on purpose and in, as it turns out, inadvertently, including her own brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's been in, she's always putting herself in unnecessary danger or ends up in danger. Uh, she's had so many attempts done on her life and she's I'm like what is getting you up in the morning exactly mm. <laughs> she thrives on that she's like I love I love it when there's an adrenaline rush at some point in the day she's getting a kick uh, out of it yeah but she's just <laughs> on a constant adrenaline rush so she needs extreme peaks to feel anything anymore yeah yeah maybe that's it I guess that creates a bit of a parallel between her and and well, I guess other superheroes, Daredevil specifically, but there's other, su- they sort of explore that with other superheroes sometimes, don't they? In that you're getting a kick out of the fighting, but yeah. like you're losing your humanity at the same time. And um, maybe she's, she is the true superhero in all of this. Maybe, maybe that's yeah. what it would take it if it was a season four. Mm. Um, and Foggy is there. He's still a lawyer. He's a little bit more jaded and you see his family, which is quite sweet as well. And he's kind of tempted to like, pack it all in and join the family business. He doesn't, but he, he's sort of wondering whether that's more for him, more sort of humble kind of lifestyle, I suppose. Um, he's the Samwise Gamgee of this series. He is the Samwise Gamgee of this series. <laughs> <laughs> he even looks a bit like him as well. He does actually, now we've said it. Wilson Fisk is in prison, but he's doing deals with the FBI to make sure Vanessa is protected. Um, and he's particularly working with an FBI agent called Ray Nadim, and Ray Nadim is open, he's sort of exposed to bribery and things like that because he's in real financial difficulties because um, he had to pay for his sister's cancer treatment. And as we all know, socialized healthcare is the way forward. <laughs> yes, I'm glad we got that in there now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's he's, um, what's his name? He's, I can't think of his name, Valjean. Jean Valjean. Yeah, he's driven to crime. Through poverty. Mm, through poverty, the greatest cause of all crime. Yes, I think it probably is. Yeah, socioeconomic issues. But it then turns out that Fisk had manipulated things so that he had to pay for his sister's health care or something like that. I think I seem to. How is Fisk doing all of this from prison? I can barely do anything from home. I well, he's. I guess he's got lots of FBI agents. Kind of, he, he's manipulated them. He's found their weaknesses and found like where. I guess this is. Um, this is like the big commentary on like American culture in that because everyone has to pay for everything. Everyone's a bit poor and a bit worried and their everyone's economic status is completely unstable. 
Um, so that means Fisk can be like, well, I can help you, but you got to do something for me. And it's very easy to do that, I suppose. Yeah. Very jaded, oddly enough. Well, yeah, it is one of the darkest series of Netflix, though, isn't it? It is. It really, really is. Yeah. <laughs> I literally do sometimes. I'm like turning the brightness up on my TV, like, where are you? Are you OK? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have to, yeah if I'm watching on my phone I have to do that especially on the dark winter mornings when I'm on the train watching it god yeah like the church scene it was just red and black and I was like are there people in this scene I can't see anything you thought it was just Dennis the Menace I did I was like ramp this brightness ah there's Karen causing problems <laughs> <laughs> Fisk gets attacked by an Albanian syndicate of gangsters in the prison um oh no not in the prison whilst being transported somewhere um and but he's saved by agent dex and dex is very interesting he's a sort of he's a sociopath basically um he does all sorts of awful things such as he when two of the albanians surrender he then murders them but then claims it's self-defense so he obviously gets some sort of kick out of this and he also has excellent aim and accuracy but I mean, seriously, I mean, that's even even saying excellent aim is undermining what he has. It's just like madness what he can do. He's like, this stapler, I'll throw it and it will kill you somehow. Literally throws, he does, he throws a stapler at one point. And yeah, it yeah. just, yeah, he's he's very, very good at that. Um, which, so here's, this is Colin Farrell from the Ben Affleck f- film of which no one speaks anymore. Mm-hmm. Isn't yes. Yeah. No one speaks of it. <laughs> Poor Jennifer. <laughs> Dex is also he um he worked he st- worked at a, like a, a suicide helpline and then encouraged a suicidal person to kill someone else rather than themselves. Yeah, he's like, he's got a few issues that guy. He's got a few issues. On top of that, he met a woman there called Julie, who he kind of has fallen in love with or become a bit obsessed with, and claims that she's his girlfriend, but she's never actually met him. She he's just stalking her. And then accidentally reveals this when he finally goes for a meal with her that he and then she's like, how do you know this about me? And he's like, uh, 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 and she's like, oh, my God. And just like legs it, which I'm like, fair play, Julie, get out of there. Well, yeah. I mean, he has like her pizza order and everything memorized, isn't it? It's like broccoli. And I don't know why people put broccoli on pizza in America. That seems to be a thing. But she has like broccoli and sausage and something else. And he's like, eating the same pizza in his little car, watching her. And then he tells the therapist that they're chatting and that's how he unloads it. And there's like, we go for a pizza and we chat. He also, um, we get some flashbacks for him, which were interesting, where he was being taught to empathise more by his therapist after he kills his baseball coach (laughs) by hitting a ball at him. Yeah, oops, by accident, wink. Because the baseball coach wouldn't put him on the team at one point in order to give others like a fighting chance. Because he's really good at baseball because of his accuracy talents. Um, so yeah, this is a very messed up guy. <laughs> he killed his parents as well because they kind of they say his parents are dead mm. accidentally. Do you think he accidentally killed them? Possibly, possibly. Yeah, it's everything he does is accidentally with bunny ears. Yeah, it's such a good way to be a murderer because you're like, oh, I tripped and this ashtray just flew off the table and hit that person in the face. Exactly. It hit me. It was clearly an accident. Yeah, exactly. You can't, because everyone will be like, well, you couldn't possibly have done that, could you? You can be like, oh, it's like a whole Final Destination thing. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if anyone's ever used Final Destination thing as a defense in court. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like, fell on on the knife seven times. (laughs) Yes. Well, yeah, so he's an interesting character. He is. And it means that Fix, 
Fix? Fisk? Fisk Dex. Oh, these difficult names. Um, Fisk can um, use Dex's feelings about Julie to manipulate him. He even goes so far as to murder Julie in order to make Dex think that she has abandoned him. Even no, he, and he, literally, he, he, I told you about fridging before. Do you remember where you kill yeah. a character to put? He literally does it. He puts her in a refrigerator. It's so on the nose. I can't tell if it's like. A, He's going, going back to line of duty he's the woman who spends like all six series in the fridge yeah the one who gets murdered in like episode two of season one and every now and then they mention her you're like oh yeah her i think she's still in the freezer she's been there for a while thank god they've, they've got her from decaying so we can you know analyze that body when we get it out i think even when you freeze something you've got to use it within four months so i think she's definitely out of date did you say when you freeze someone you have to you have no, to know something like food oh, like, no okay, not a person Oh, what? What are you talking? <laughs> we'll edit that out of the podcast. Just in case, everyone check Paul's freezer when you go around. <laughs> My freezer is too small. It's just one shelf. So I can't possibly have a human being in there. Not in one piece anyway. Fisk is, because of the uh, Albanians attacking him, uh, Fisk is put up in a penthouse apartment. But this is obviously controversial amongst the public because they're like, well, uh, he's he's a bad guy. Why would you do that to him? Um, yeah. He's got a really nice apartment as well. It's not that like they've got him a horrible apartment anywhere. It's like it's a, it's it's a damn nice apartment. I really liked how in when he moves into the apartment, it's like it's empty and white, um, and there's like one chair that he's always sitting on, like he's Hannibal Lecter or something. Um, but then as the series goes on and he gets more FBI people under his wing and he gets more and more powerful different objects start appearing within the flat until by the end it's like fully decorated with art and it's all very beautiful and neat and opulent and I liked how that that remained as like this recurring image to show his gradual power gaining I thought that was really clever that is clever I wonder if that was a toy for kids at the time like decorate this apartment I'd love to do that. It'd be like The Sims. Yeah, you get like more money. It's like you have to. They could do a really dark Sims where you have to bribe people to furnish the Sims apartment. There's probably an expansion pack of The Sims that does that. There yeah. must be The Sims gangster. Like it's fallacy. <laughs> there was the Sim. There was a Hollywood one or Sims superstar. That was it. Where you had to go. You know, you'd 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 go if you weren't a star yet, and you went up to the modeling agency, and you were like, "Oh, I want to be a model." They'd be like, "Who are you?" Oh, wait, I don't care. And you have to like get more and more fame in order to go in there and become successful. Stop it! I think I, I haven't played The Sims since the original Rosebud situation. <laughs> I didn't know there were that many like exciting expansion packs personalities. There were loads. We had a, a magic one where you also were learning to become a witch and you had to go and get ingredients for various spells that you could then take back to the house. How cool wow. is that? I might have to, oh, I don't know. I haven't got enough hours in the day to invest in The Sims. I do like um, how it started off as like a simulator of real life and then they're like, screw it, magic, Hollywood. <laughs> Oh, they did it. In the original, there was like ghosts. You were like ghosts. And they were like, yes, sometimes a ghost would arrive. Yeah. <laughs> or a burglar who was dressed like the burglar from McDonald's. Yeah, just creeps in really obviously. Even if your Sims are awake, you're like, hello. And he'd put the cooker inside his little swag bag. Yeah. And you could, even if you called the police, they'd never get there in time. Yeah, they took ages. He was there for like five minutes and they'd take about half an hour to arrive. Yeah. Another corrupt police force right there. Fisk gets more powerful in the penthouse, as we said. And as a result, Foggy decides to start running for district attorney in order to bring Fisk to justice. It's a long, uh, long haul plan that he's gone for. 
long haul plan yeah <laughs> at, at this point this is where at this point I was like I feel like you just need to move out of New York really LA not even that different LA doesn't crop up in any of the Netflix series I don't I don't get why any of you are still living in New York right now <laughs> yeah it's horrible that you definitely doomed to be killed by something at some point get out actually every other city in the United States is at least cheaper to yeah. live in <laughs> Matt also discovers that Fisk actually paid the Albanians to attack him to convince the police to move him. So the Albanians are also in his pay pocket. <laughs> he owns everyone. everyone. He owns everyone's soul. And that's when we get this fantastic one shot action sequence through the whole where Matt's escaping from the prison when there's a big prison riot going on, which the rehearsals for that must have been insane. I imagine them as being like gladiators where they do the gauntlet with the like people like throwing them into the inflatable walls and stuff. Yeah. That's how they practice for this one. They put him inside a giant hamster ball. Yeah. Good luck. You gotta get strong. They needed that guy, the Scottish guy, to be like, Contender ready. <laughs> oh, I love that. Guy. You will go on my first whistle. You will go on my second whistle. You will go on my second whistle. Fisk gets Dex to pose as Daredevil uh, to uh, attack the New York Bulletin, and it, and this will turn public opinion against Daredevil. And he threatens Foggy to take back the accusations he makes in his run for district attorney. So you know, literally, he makes he makes the House of Cards guy look like bloody a bloody Enid Blyton character right now. Yes, he does. The, the the Bulletin attack was horrifying. It was very close to what happened in Paris, I guess. The, yeah 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 it, it felt sometimes it it's interesting how they um flip between being very real in sections like that and then they go to the sort of actual superhero fights which obviously are not very real but they're exciting as well so and I think they get that balance right without it being insensitive yeah I do too I, I think the most upsetting moment of that whole thing was all the mobile phones on the table with people messaging like are you okay did you get out and they're all bagged up as evidence so you know that they didn't it's it's awful yeah, yeah. And that, you know, we you read in reports about that actually happening in situations like this. And yeah, I think, um, I don't know if Netflix actually does this. I mean, it probably, they probably just say, oh, some violence or something on there, but they almost need to have episodes like that coming with a trigger warning. Um, yeah, so true. I wonder if they do. I'll have to go back and have a look. I don't think that they do. I don't think they do. But they say they might have like a, I think they have like a section that says like, scenes of a sexual nature, drug use, sexual assault, something like that might might be in it. So maybe that counts as that, I don't know. Mm. Um, Extreme yeah. gun-toting violence. Um, um, oh, yes, and then Karen is being all tenacious reporter Karen, um, goes and confronts Fisk face-to-face. -face. I loved this scene because she very it gradually builds up to her eventually telling him for the first time that she killed Wesley in season yeah. one um and I was just it was just so enjoyable to see her be like like you know what you think you can kill people but so can I like how she she's obviously torn up about it inside but she then uses it as a weapon when she wants to as well I was like yes Karen <laughs> it was so weird because they kind of make it seem like Wesley was like his son almost so that he loved him like a son but I don't yes. remember that being the case in the series he I remember he had um he really liked him and had a strong attachment to him I think he was quite reliant on him for, to sort of organize his life he's like that he's like the secretary that you're like I couldn't live without them 
because yeah. you know they do they they are just one step ahead all the time in their organization when I'm very busy um so I think it was that kind of thing but like went beyond that as well yeah there was a sort of fatherly son thing going on there but the way Karen relishes telling him I was like I love how if it was a man I'd be like oh that's awful because it's a woman I'm like yes queen work <laughs> <laughs> And then the because because she's revealed this to Fisk, she's like, okay, oops, maybe I should go into hiding now. She goes and hides at the church. <laughs> but then yeah. Dex is sent to attack her anyway, and there's a big fight in the church. These poor people just get caught up in the middle of everywhere Karen is, don't they? I would be like, where is Karen going for lunch? I shall not go there. <laughs> on your phone. You go into you go into Costa and see Karen, and you go, oh, oh, I forgot. I left my wallet in Starbucks. Hang on. <laughs> It was a really good, another good fight. I think the action scenes in this series were really, really good. Like that one, I think they spent a lot of time looking at Matt, realising that he couldn't overcome Dex, which felt very, like, ooh, claustrophobic and mm. frightening for the viewer. And then also they have that really cool Sound of Music moment where they hide in the crypt downstairs. Oh, my God, yeah, I never even thought of that. I feel like the, nun, the nuns were too sassy. Well, I guess the nuns are sassy in The Sound of Music as well, aren't they? They are. They're like, they're like oh, we have sinned, and they've got the little bits of the car ready. <laughs> they're super sassy. Sassy nuns. That's and they're always it, during um at the beginning when they're singing about how Maria is a problem. They're always like, and they're always, they're making little snide remarks. They're real backstabbers, those nuns, aren't they? They really are. So, like, oh, how do you solve a problem like Maria? You're like, excuse me, um, <laughs> what? Are, are we not doing the Christian thing of forgive and forget? Absolutely. And the worst thing she does is climbs a tree and scrapes her knee. Like, it's like, come on, guys. And she whistles outside. And they heard her singing in the Abbey. In the Abbey, yeah. But Maria makes me laugh. So <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's a little bit darker, this version, I guess, because they're in a literal coffin hiding rather than just peeping around some gravestones. That yeah. would have that would have been absolutely horrendous if they put poor Greta inside the coffin. No, uh, some mouldering remains in you get. <laughs> and Gren, I know they do a thing where she like knocks the body and the skull turns and looks at her and she'd be like, ah! <laughs> and then the Nazis would find them and kill them. <laughs> and the Nazis find them and kill them. It's so sad. Such a sad ending. Alternative reality of the sound of music. <laughs> But speaking of nuns, at this point, we discover that Sister Maggie is, in fact, Matt's mother. Um, and I felt like they did nothing with this after they revealed it. You know, what? in the comic books, it's even less of a thing because they go, I think it's just he detects change in her heartbeat. And that's how he realises she's his mum. But that's ah. Whereas in this, at least they sort of. It comes out a little bit more. He literally it? hears her going, dear Lord, I hope you protect my son, Matt. <laughs> uh, Murdoch, just in case you weren't. <laughs> That's Matt Murdoch, the guy, the main character of this TV series. And I don't mean metaphorically. He's my literal biological son. Like he literally gave birth to him. Yes. It was very confusing for me. Um, yeah. I, I wondered if maybe they had plans to do something with it in season four. That's what I was thinking. Because they didn't, they revealed it. He's he's angry or something about it. And again, I'm like, oh, I feel like this has been done. Uh, I don't want to. Uh. Maybe it's been done because if you did find out in strange circumstances that the woman you thought was a nun was your secret mum, you'd be like, oh, well, that is weird. Why did yeah, you I mean, it's understandable why he reacts like that. I just I, I was like, oh, Matt, you're so boring. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> the queer eye guys in there, they organise a better like 
sit down meeting about it. Yeah, if Jonathan Van Ness was in there, then that would have been, it would have been fabulous. And Karamo would be like, I'm going to arrange for you to meet the man who uh, blinded you. And yeah. he'd be like, oh, I don't think we should do that, Karamo. It feels like a lot. <laughs> and we're going to sit down and just talk about it and go. <laughs> yeah, don't cry on camera. And don't don't storm out or attack each other because that would be bad. <laughs> or do, because that would be good viewing. It's true. And we can cut out any super violence. <laughs> We also get um, the flashback episode for Karen, where we find out that she's very sort of distant from her father because she is responsible for her brother's death. Uh, her brother and her boyfriend were sort of in a in a fight. So she tried to get her brother away and drove away, but drove and crashed. And he died in the car crash. Um, it seems to be a trope with Netflix that you think like they always have like one episode later season. That's a whole flashback. It's with Stranger Things. It's with daredevil all the time i feel like they could like pepper these flashbacks into episodes throughout the series so it's not just one big that's it isn't it the netflix style is like episode eight is a flashback episode yeah and you're like oh really can we not just get to the yeah and in some cases it's relevant in a lot of cases it's called a filler i believe (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna yeah what do they uh, community calls it a bottleneck Mm. i felt like they put this in in order to add to Karen's sort of desperation, tenacity, her mental instability and stuff. But I I didn't feel like it was necessary. I liked it. It was interesting and it was moving. But I was like, you don't need to give Karen any more tragedy than she already has. No. Well, I guess, again, in the, the comic book, she's like a proper, like, drug-addled wreck, isn't she? So mm. maybe they were just trying to nod to that Karen and how she's moved on and is different. She's kind of like the Mary Magdalene of this biblical story, isn't she? <laughs> yes, yes, she is. She needs, They needed a scene where he she washes his feet in order he to really solidify that one. He washes his metaphorical feet all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if that's that's not very fourth wave feminism, is it, for the woman to wash the man's feet? I don't know. No, but she is the basically the only female character in this who's not a literal nun or. Yeah. It's the Madonna Hall complex. We've got Vanessa and we've got Sister Maggie and we've got Karen somewhere in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Vanessa, enter Vanessa. We've been having... It's quite good because they built this up. They There was all these hints of her. Like, we never saw her for many, many episodes, but Fisk kept being like, where's Vanessa? Is Vanessa safe? Vanessa safe? Vanessa safe? And now finally she comes in. And we also... We have this business with the painting, which is the painting they bonded over. And Fisk wanted to get the painting... Uh, but then he found out that it was in possession of a woman who was a Holocaust survivor and her family used to own the painting, but it had been taken from them by the Nazis. So she wanted to keep it for obvious reasons. So he and he was like, oh, OK. And he actually allows that he can't go so far as to take it from someone who it justifiably should be with. But Dex gets involved and takes it. And Vanessa sees the blood on the painting. So the suggestion that Dex killed this woman, basically. Um, it's but, nice that we know Fisk has a limit it's like Holocaust victims are a no yeah. <laughs> but for Dex it's a yes so you can, get, you can get behind him in that respect can't you <laughs> he, has a, he has a line and we can all understand it it's an understandable line but I think it, it shows that um, uh, he his drive is more power and wealth whereas Dex's drive is more about physical violence and sort of physical vengeance on the world 
isn't it? And that's kind of the difference between them is that Fisk has that self-control, whereas Dex doesn't. Um, I think Dex is meant to be that. Obviously, he does dress up as Daredevil, and it's like the other side of Matt if he didn't have, you mm. know, he didn't have those people supporting him and grounding him. This is the route he could have taken. Or Matt is who he wishes he could be, but because he doesn't have the the sort of the moral code that Matt has, mm. he can't be Daredevil. He has to be evil devil. It's the devil. <laughs> the, the devil, in fact. Yeah, yeah as opposed to, yeah, the evil devil as opposed to good devil. <laughs> the devil's like, man, I thought I was evil devil. <laughs> yeah. Doing it wrong all this time. I suppose in that, that's where we, it was necessary to have all these long, boring scenes where Matt is talking about his moral code and whether he's a good person and tallying up his religion with his vigilantism and all that stuff. I suppose that is needed there to show that he's different to Dex's daredevil, I suppose. Yeah, I guess we need to understand his motives a bit more as well. Because mm. he just has that whole argument, doesn't he, Foggy, where he's like... <gasps> I think that we have to kill Fisk. It's literally the only solution. Or we could put him in literal prison. Yeah. Those are the options. Literally, yeah. yeah. But then it becomes difficult because you could kill him and then you're a murderer yourself. Or you put him in prison, in which case he'll probably just manipulate his way out of it again. Well, yeah, Um, I can kind of, because I guess that the argument of killing him was meant to be the evil argument. I was kind of like, but it's not really, is it? Because if we kill him, then mm. all of this bad stuff will literally stop happening. So maybe that's a good option. It's true. But then then you set a precedent when it comes to capital punishment. And oh, yeah. Then it no, I, don't really actually, I don't think we should actually kill him. But I could see Matt's argument. like He was in prison already and it didn't work. I think it's exposing the difficult nature of justice, isn't it? That, um, you know, there are some people in the world that you just need to be away from society forever to the point mm. where... Um, they just can't even have contact. But I don't know if those people really exist or whether that's just um, Hollywood and the press, like upping um, upping the glamour around murderers and stuff and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't Very know. Very true. Answers. I guess it's more like it's not the same. I was say, it's like people like Harvey Weinstein. They're not murderers, but they have that power and that money to just mm. get their way out of situations. And the Epstein thing, it felt like that was where it was going to go, but then it went for an entirely different route. So yeah, yeah. And I also was interested in Vanessa's reaction to the blood on the painting because she wasn't phased by it. She was kind of, it was like, she just sort of knew why it was there. And then Vanessa's so interesting. And I feel like this is where we really needed a fourth season to fully dissect her is to be, that I wanted to know like, what's her story? Why is she enjoying the crime? Has she been corrupted by power? Or like, is this her love for Fisk? Is that she loves him so much that she's turning a blind eye to everything he does? And or does she love him because of what he does? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe um, in the fourth season she would have been the villain. Because she does. Um, so yeah, Matt and Foggy are planned to get Nadine to um testify against Fisk. Um, and immediately I'm like, as if that's going to work. Like, you've tried so many other things. Now you're just going to put him on the witness stand. <laughs> Come on. Um, so, of course, it doesn't work because Fisk has his paws uh, in the jury. And then Nadim eventually is killed by Dex, which kind of we all saw coming. But it's Vanessa who suggests killing him. Fisk doesn't want to kill him at first. He wants just to sort of get him away. But mm. it's Vanessa who says, no, kill him, which I found interesting. Um, that she is starting to gain power and influence over Fisk himself. Um, and is using Season four, maybe she would have been the villain. And in the end, mm. Fisk ends up killing her because he realises she's gone bad. 
Yeah, or she kills him. Ooh, either way, someone would die for love. <laughs> but again, when Fist does it, I'm like, that's so evil. When Vanessa does it, I'm like, that's fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> You're just terrible. If we had a terrible, evil world dictator that was a woman, you'd be like, excellent. <laughs> Mistress, about I'll time. <laughs> I'll kill all the babies for you. Whatever you want. <laughs> Vanessa and Fisk get married. Um, however, during the wedding, this was so cool. I love this. Um, Nadim had done a dying declaration video, which Karen puts all over social media, and everyone sees it on their phones during their first dance. Which and was I very love promising it. young woman. Yes, it was. Yes, very promising young woman. Definitely. Yeah. And it was just it was just the perfect timing of it. I was like, I wish I could do that. I wish I could just drop a bombshell at the perfect timing like that. We could do. We'll just figure out a wedding that we can both go to or one of us goes to. We, we, which we can ruin. Which we can ruin. Yeah. And we'll just stage an elaborate plan. Like I will be on the outside ready to drop something on social media and you can be the one in the wedding story goes, oh, guys, look. And then yeah. <laughs> again, it, it was interesting because um, Fisk wanted to sort of carry on dancing but Vanessa was the one who was say saying just ignore them ignore them like that it's almost like she's desperately trying to turn a blind eye to anything and just wants like this powerful intense relationship or something I don't know it was yeah it just perked my interest very much um, Dex has also discovered what happened to Julie that Fisk killed her in order to manipulate him so he dresses up as Daredevil and then we have this massive three-way fight between Fisk, Matt and Dex which was really cool I and it's interesting that they've all got different aims because like Matt doesn't want Vanessa dead neither does Fisk but they both want each other dead but Dex wants Vanessa dead so they're all kind of like in each other's faces Dex is kind of the um uh, the rabid dog in it in that he'll just kill anyone um, yeah. whereas Matt and Fisk are a little bit more deliberate in what they want out of this battle. Yeah. Um, the, the, um, the end of it is that um, Dex gets paralyzed um, in the fight. Matt ultimately wins, but Fisk agrees to go back to prison as long as Vanessa is protected. And that's what happens. Um, then it concludes with Dex then getting surgery to unparalyze himself and very much suggesting that he becomes a big villain in the future. Yes, very, very much so. And, um, and then Matt, Karen and Foggy are all friends again and they suggest starting up a law firm together and they all go home for tea. Lovely. Doesn't Dex drive to the wedding with Julia's body just next to him? Something like that. He finds the body, doesn't he? And then like yeah. takes it out the freezer. Or, yeah, there's something really messed up there. He's also, giving surgery to a supervillain who's paralysed Never a good idea. Never no, give a supervillain no. surgery. And it's not like they have the excuse of not knowing it will happen because how many super villain, super hit villains and superheroes are known to the world at this point? Literally, like, just haven't learned their lesson, have they? But yeah, that's how it's concluded. I think, yeah, I, it's a shame. I would love a fourth season. I'd love Disney to, like, be to sort of galvanise it a bit and give, explore what happens with Vanessa a bit further on and... Um, and and Dex as well. And I think they set up a sort of post-Electra, post-Defenders storyline that they never have been able to manifest. And I think that's a bit of a shame, really. It really is. But I'm hopeful because it's one of the better series. It's one, one of the better characters. And mm. the people around him are very interesting. The supervillains are all very interesting. Yeah. I'm hopeful that they might bring it back one day. But it just is very dark for Disney. It is. But that means they almost need it because... And all their other stuff like it, this is what I've enjoyed 
um, uh, watching the Marvel Cinematic Universe in order because often it fluctuates between the kind of family friendliness of Disney and then the darkness of Netflix. And as I'm getting a bit exhausted with one, I then I'm able to watch the other. Um, and I think they they need that to create that balance. But maybe there's more there's more ratings and more profit in the Disney stuff that they make. I don't know. I don't. I, don't, I haven't seen their revenue, their budget sheets. So well, not yet. We just need to break into that office, and we'll be fine. Get onto that Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> if we just type really fast, we'll be able to hack in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what they do in all the films. I've seen them. I've seen them do it. You just type in Disney website and they go. Yeah, aha, I'm in the mainframe. They don't use a mouse ever. They just type. So what would you give it out of five? I give it um a four out of, of five. Like because you can be quite scathing with your scores sometimes. Me, me <laughs> scathing. How dare you? <laughs> I've seen you. You were like, I think a hard half half a point. You're like, half a point. <laughs> yeah, I was I was re-listening to a few episodes. Um, and um there is a couple where I'm like 4.75, and you're like what? what 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 got rid of 0.25 there and I'm like well I'm very very ruthless yeah this is just my scoring system it makes no sense to anyone but me and that's fine because it's my podcast what about you what would you give it out of five I mean, yeah four four and a half I think it is very strong like it mm. it's one of the better Netflix series for sure and probably one of the better just Marvel series in general I agree I agree yeah I do I do think it's really really good I think it Daredevil as a whole explores themes really well it has really good characters it's downright scary like the second season for me is one of the best soul soul seasons of netflix ever i was just so it was so scary and there's yeah. so, such enough there was enough going on but it all kind of intersected and it all made sense and stuff it was just really good storytelling so um, get me because it had just so many like things that feel real that could happen like the shootings at the I don't know. It was those little um, phones and the little bags that really scared me. It made me want to hug everyone I know and be like, I love you. <laughs> yeah. And because some of it obviously is fantasy, but there's other bits that feel really, really real and mm. almost triggering. So um, I think they, I think that and, and Jessica Jones, especially are the Netflix series that managed to get that balance really, really well. Yeah, for sure. No, I could watch another season. I hope at some point they figure it out and they, they managed to make some more, but we'll mm. see. I don't know what the deal is with the whole who owns what. We'll see. I found a quiz that is, which Daredevil character are you? <gasps> Stop. What would you like to find out? I would. I really don't want it to be Dex or Fisk, though. So. Can you imagine? <laughs> I'd have to just go hand myself into the police now. <laughs> but you're really a, you're a total me. psychopath. <laughs> Lock me away. Okay, here we go. So there's 10 questions in total. So question one, you are kayaking on a fast river when your kayak hits a rock. What do you do? Do you stay with the kayak? Do you jump out and try to swim? Do you follow the current and float down the river or do you call for help? I wish I had been kayaking so I know what the best solution to this problem is. Like, I, don't, I don't know what the best thing to do is either though. Is it in rapids? Or is it it in doesn't rapids? specify. It doesn't specify also what happens when the kayak hits the rock, whether it just knocks against it or whether it full on is starting to like sink. I think I'd follow the current because I feel like people do that in books quite a lot and it yeah. normally works out for them. Like even in Jurassic Park, it works out for them. And considering everything else that happens in that book, that's a way. And you could, you could pretend to be Pocahontas as you're going along the current as well. I could, couldn't I? Because like, well, I know the first about rivers is you can't stay in the same river twice. Yeah. <laughs> 
As soon as you pass through the gate to your friend's house, their vicious dog approaches you. It's like me going to your house. (laughs) (laughs) And it's barking. How do you react? Do you run? Do you yell yell to the house for help? Do you look the dog in the eye and prepare for anything? Or do you pull out a snack from your pocket and throw it to the dog? I'm going to do the snack because that normally works on most dogs. It's also assuming that you have a snack in your pocket. I'm, well, I'm, I'm me. I always have a snack in my pocket. Let's go with it. Even if the dog looks like it's still going to be bad, I could sneak away while it's eating the snack. That's true. You sneaky, sneaky thing. Okay. You arrive at a swimming pool. How do you get in? Do you climb in via the ladder? Do you jump in from the side, jump off the diving board, climb to the high dive, or I'm just going to sit here by the poolside? <laughs> I'm going to jump in from the side. Jump in from the side. Because that is what I always do. I don't think I've ever used the ladder. They look. What are you most likely to check out at the library? A book, a magazine, a CD, or a movie? A book. You are invited to an all-inclusive cruise across the Pacific Ocean. What are you most excited about, though? Are you excited about the sun? Are you excited about the buffet? Do you just want to relax, or are you ready to dance? Oh, wow. I thought one of them would be like, explore the places you're going to visit. And I was like, that one, but no. No, it's assuming you're staying on the boat, I think. (laughs) Well, then the buffet. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, You hop into a taxi and you head downtown. What do you do? Do you sit in the back and tune everything out? Do you hold light conversation with the cab driver? Do you play with your phone or do you dive into the cab driver's life story? I've done I've done all of them at points in my life. What was what was the sorry, what was the setup? Was it like a long so drive? Either sit in the back and tune everything out, yeah. hold light conversation, play with your phone, or dive into the life story of your cab driver. See, I've done that one so many times without meaning to that I'm gonna to have to say that one because I don't know what the steps are that I'm taking to make it happen. Is that a life story? Yeah, but they always end up telling it to me. I find it's the cab driver giving me their life story sometimes, which sometimes is really interesting. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, is that not the option, the cab driver's life story? In the quick- maybe maybe they'll drop something and you'll just dive into it, like something like that, maybe. That's yeah. the journalist in you, that is. I'd like to know. All right, a painter asks if he can paint your portrait. How do you feel? Do you feel flattered that he chose you? Do you feel nervous about the way you look? Are you curious about why you were chosen? Or are you bothered that this might take up time? I'm curious about why I was chosen. Mm. Also wondering how long it takes to pose for a portrait nowadays when they're not just snapping a picture. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yes. Not, like, not like you're Anne of Cleves. <laughs> I've got days on hand. <laughs> you're on your way to work, but you see a car stuck on the side of the road. What do you do? Do you stop even though you'll be late for work? Do you drive on by and get to work on time? Do you call someone to help but move on? Or do you call your boss to find out if you can be late so you can help? I'd probably just help. So you'd you'd stop even though you'll be late for work? Yeah, I mean, it's any work, isn't it? You are walking down the hall when someone jumps out and scares you. What happens? Do you scream, jump back, figure out that you figured out they were there in the first place so you're not scared? Or do you get mad at them? I probably would scream, if I'm being honest. I'd like to pretend I've got to come up with something clever, but... And last question. You dream that you have to climb a rope and ring the bell at the top. What would be the outcome? Would you quickly make it to the top and everyone would cheer? Would your pants fall down and everyone would laugh? (laughs) Would you struggle and never make it to the top? Or would you make it to the top to find that no one is watching? So deep for a... This is like the deepest quiz you've ever given me. (laughs) Um, 
Well, it depends if you're with friends. So I feel like if we were friends, I'd make it to a chop and everyone would cheer because. You but you're would. in a dream, so anything could happen here. Okay. Uh, well, I probably would have like, and no one's watching. No one's watching. Okay, submit. You are foggy. The friends that surround you are extremely important. You support your support of others is what allows you to feel good about yourself. Make sure that you surround yourself with people that influence you for the better. Good, solid advice there. I yeah. will. I will do that. This, it, uh, it wasn't really analytical there. It was more advisory, wasn't it? It was. Considering the amount of depth those questions went into, I thought I was going to get like a paragraph on my psyche. But <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they, whoever wrote it gave up by the time they got to that bit. <laughs> it is hard writing a quiz. The mechanics are known. Are you going right. to have a quick go? Yeah, I'll have a quick go. So the kayak, I think, I think I probably follow the current and float down the river, see what adventures um would hit me the dog i've heard with dogs if they're barking you meant to stay still whereas if you run or anything that's when like they will go for you so i'm going to look the dog in the eye and prepare for anything oh you're going to look it in the eye yeah um when i arrive at the pool i'm going to say climb in on via the ladder and i would take a book out of the library would probably enjoy the buffet as well on the cruise ship I'd sit in the back and tune everything out in the taxi. No, I don't like talking to the driver. Well, it's fine if I'm there, I can talk to him for you. Uh, the painter, I'd probably, first of all, be quite flattered. <laughs> then I'd be curious. I would drive on by from the car and get to work on time because I'm cruel. <laughs> I'd scream if someone jumps out at me and I would struggle and never make it to the top of the rope. I'm Karen Page. <gasps> Finding That's the truth in every situation is the most important thing to you. You are very calm and relaxed about life until there is a story unfolding. Never let the story escape you because the truth you find benefits everyone. Would you say she's aggressively practical? I would say she's aggressively practical, yeah. <laughs> so there we go, perfect. Or is tenaciously practical. I think tenacious is probably the word I'd use to describe Karen first and foremost. That's very fair. No matter well, how many people die around her, she's like, I gotta get the story. <gasps> oh. <laughs> well, it means me and you are still friends, which is lovely. Yes, that's true. We'd even be working together. We would. Oh, we'd be so good as a little team working together. It'd be great. We should start a law firm. We, we should. know things. I mean, we know lawyers. We've seen some law shows. <laughs> that's basically it. Right. Do you know what is next? I do not know what is next. It is Runaways season two. So we're flipping from the darkness of Netflix into into the, the, the lightheartedness of Gen Z again, I guess. I guess so. How far is it until you get to finally watch what happens to the Avengers? Uh, still a few. <laughs> we still got, we got, after that, we got The Punisher. We got Captain Marvel as well. That's the next film. That's good. Uh, we got Cloak and Dagger and then we got Endgame. Okay, so We've got a few episodes to go before that, but I'm I'm wow. stoically refusing to look at plot summaries or spoilers. Oh, please do resist, resist. And then maybe if we can find a way to watch it together, that'd be really fun. I am resisting. Yeah, that will be good with the baby. <gasps> yeah, her first Marvel film will be the last Marvel film. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, the last one of phase three anyway. Exactly. She could, she'd probably be more into the new phase anyway. Yeah, yeah. Smarter, her youth. Right, on to Runaways in the next episode. (laughs) 
You've been listening to an episode of The Marvel Virgin. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at The Marvel Virgin. We hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll tune in to the next fact-filled episode.